0: Be good.
1: (laughs) Hello there, friends and strangers. Welcome to the Monkey Tooth Podcast. It's your pal, Andrew. I'm sitting here with my little dog, Pele, who is alive and well. My wife is inside. My wife, Tiffany, is inside a library doing some work. Um, We are in Utah, just outside of Zion National Park in a little town called Hurricane. Uh, It's beautiful here, and um, I'm very, very pleased to bring you today's episode. It's with a guy we met back in Wyoming called Lyle McReynolds, and he's an incredibly cool guy who I'm gonna tell you about in just a second. But first, I wanna say a couple things. One, Utah, I'm kinda of proud of you. You're about to vote on the legalization of marijuana in November, and uh, I just saw something the other day that Democratic State Senator Jim DeBacchus, who uh, described himself as a marijuana virgin, traveled to uh, Las Vegas, where pot is legal. Bought himself a little pot gummy bear and ate some of it, or maybe the whole thing, I don't know, uh, just sort of just basically tell everyone, hey, uh, before you vote on this, you should probably know what it's about. Let me try it. Um, he ate it. And his summary was that it was no big deal. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's strange to say that that was brave of him because it's something as harmless and innocuous as marijuana. Uh, trying it is not particularly brave but in the context of his fairly conservative uh state uh, for him to go out there and try it and then film it and put it up on facebook it's kind of hilarious and uh it's just cool so way to go thanks thanks utah for that impressive bit of entertainment uh secondly um i'm a pals in brazil Uh, We were just hanging out with um, Cristina and Marcos and their great little kids, who I think you've probably heard Cristina's episode if you listen to this show. Um, And our friend Ricardo Serpa is a Brazilian. They just voted for um, president uh, yesterday. Today is Monday. This episode will come out on Tuesday. So anyhow, they just voted in a new president, uh, eh, Bolsonaro. And I just want to say to all the Brazilians out there, feel your pain. Um. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say Because if you want to learn about Bolsonaro Say what you will about um, about Glenn Greenwald But he just recently hosted a great podcast called Intercepted Which is normally hosted by Jeremy Scahill Anyhow, they did a really pretty in-depth piece on Bolsonaro And uh, it ain't a pretty picture But anyhow, yeah, Brazil, we love you we're all going to make it through this because we're just a big planet and countries are made up anyway. All right. So enough of that. None of that has anything to do with Lyle McReynolds, who um, was and is an incredibly kind and I know I say this all the time, but he's a thoughtful guy who invited us into his home and let us uh, stay there for many days. He and his wife, Amy, they have a, um, uh, an exchange student, or they had one when we were there, a guy named Juma from Argentina. They have two daughters who were not there. Um, and man, this place is just amazing. It's called the McReynolds Blacktail Cabins. You can actually stay there. You can rent these places. If you go to McReynoldsBlacktailCabins.com, um, you can see what we're talking about. I've put up a bunch of pictures of this place in the journal under Wyoming, Um Anyhow, I got, I got the opportunity to sit with Lyle for uh, coffee and ask him a bunch of dumb questions and uh, uh, just kind of tell him how great I thought his place was over and over and over again in this podcast. But he's a um, he's an insightful guy with a lot to share, and I'm, I'm glad I got the opportunity to put a mic in his face, and I'm very glad that he agreed to talk to us. Um, yeah, we just had a, a wonderful time with him, so... I want to thank him and I want to thank um, the Osmonds, Mary Lou and Steve, who uh, you heard from Steve and his daughter uh, a few podcasts ago. They're uh, both artists. Really, really cool. If you want to check that one out, um, it is, uh, it's worth listening to. Anyhow, they hooked us up with the uh, McReynolds in Moose, Wyoming, and uh, we're so, so grateful for that. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, It is... uh, It's coming up time for us to take a small break in our journey. Um, We have encountered a number of unexpected expenses which are um, pushing us to take a small break and make a little bit of money so that we can safely travel down south and hope to make it back with some degree of um, reasonable expectation so yeah uh in a few weeks we're going to be stopping and working uh, we'll be in the la area in malibu so if anybody in that area wants to meet us or knows of a job or anything like that that either tiffany and i can do feel free to give us a little note mtp.dog forward slash contact or you can reach us on instagram at monkey podcast or facebook all that sort of stuff yeah Uh, Or you can leave it in a review. That'd be so nice if you said, hey, we really like your show. Here's five stars, and my uncle's got a massage therapy place that would love to have you. You know, whatever. Okay, that's enough of this. I hope you enjoy this episode. Lyle McReynolds coming at you from Moose, Wyoming. Until next time, bye-bye. We're sitting in your 1937 log cabin built by cowboys who did not know necessarily... (laughs) how to build log cabins but they they pulled it off and your grandfather purchased it in what year 1947 1947 and it's been a work in progress ever since still going yeah yeah uh this is absolutely beautiful and this is part of uh your rental empire the uh McReynolds Black Blacktail
2: Cabin Blacktail Cabins you have which is an affiliate of Percy's Pool Hall and Daycare yes yeah <laughs> Percy's is I mean there's just so much
1: I've I've attempted already to describe art on this podcast Failed Uh Uh, I've tried to describe feats of athletic prowess Failed at that (laughs) To even begin to describe how cool your place is I haven't got the words to really properly do that You want to tell everybody what Where we are and what this is?
2: Um It's actually It's an emotional question Yeah (laughs) Um Four generations uh, my granddad found it made money in California came to Jackson Hole and bought land he found it and he bought a some farmland next to it my mom he said Mary you should buy that you should buy the house with your savings so she bought the house and the five acres that I still have and is now my children's um, and what was on here when she bought it in was a log cabin. I think it's 1,200 square feet that was unfinished. Um, like I said, built by cowboys. The roof didn't cover the ends of the purlins, which are the roof logs. And so the rain sat on them, so they'd start to rot. It's like buying a buying a hat and turning it around backwards. <laughs> Still something I don't understand. Uh, that's the way this roof was. Um, so she... She bought it, 47, and basically my granddad lived here. I came up as a child, born in 52, so I came up in the late 50s and early 60s, uh, visiting in the summers and hated it, didn't have any mobility, had to walk around, no bicycle. Uh, went to town once a week, pretty boring. And but granddad also bought land in Laguna Beach, oh, yeah. and had good taste in land, yeah, and uh, so it one point in time we ended up in laguna went to high school down there and a few years of college and as robin williams said if you were there in the 60s what was it what was his comment if you remember if you remember the 60s you weren't there <laughs> i think i remember about half of the 60s <laughs> so you're half uh, there <laughs> yeah it was it was great to be in laguna yeah, easy uh, for me hard for my parents yeah. uh, but then i came back up here in Uh, about 1972, and looked around and went, oh, yeah, this will do. And I've been kind of the first, I bet the first 15 years, I didn't do much. I had fun. I had a lot of fun. And then uh, at some point in time, the responsibility kicked in, and it was like, better start taking care of this place. And I built a guest house, which is at the other end of the property. How far away is that?
1: Looks like about 100
2: yards, maybe? Good, at least 100 yards. Um, and it's a nice modern house. I did all by myself. Um, I've learned out how, how to work by myself. That's just easier that way. Yeah. and uh, But it's very different from the log cabin that we're in. Um, this has been going under constant change think I've remodeled the bathroom three times. The kitchen's in its third generation. Uh, the basement failed. It was a partial basement, basically a large mechanical room, and no rebar in the concrete. And there was even at one point we found a post buried inside the concrete wall that had to expand and contract. It's just the nature of the material. So it Full length crack up and down the concrete wall. Just a wooden um, post. In, like, just a wooden post. And I could never concrete. understand what it was in there for. I, I had crazy. a reason, but um, mm-hmm. I've learned. I've become a structural engineer by education, mm-hmm. not by schooling. Um, I have no idea what the post was there for. Yeah. But um, the uh, so anyway, we I bought a potato piler and cut off the conveyor belt portion of it and stuck it down in a corner of the house and myself and a couple of amigos started digging and we could only work spring and fall and it took nine years but now it has a new foundation under it we've talked a little bit about about money and work but what i
1: see in you you have a very healthy relationship with the idea of money and wealth and work uh you know you your idea of wealth, from as far as I can gather, is not tethered to money
2: at all. No, it's the during the solstices when I remember saying um, a woman was here, uh, a guest of a guest, do not get invite guest. I think that was the, <laughs> the towel. Um, but some, uh, a third party was here, and they were very wealthy, but it was like, hmm. And after they left, to our little core group was talking, and I said, Nobody is more wealthy than we are. Nobody has more wealth. Uh, we have family, friends, live in a pristine place, yeah. um, and know it and have traveled enough to go, Wow, we get to live here? Yeah. And uh, so nobody's wealthier than we are. No. And, and I mean, the fact that, one,
1: you have land to pass on, it's been passed to you, and you're going to pass it to your children. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And that's, if you're going to look at, the things that are actually physical wealth and there's there's land there's labor you know and this you've done the labor right <laughs> the land shows it and you're going to pass it on to your kids but you're so let me let me bounce back a little bit where did you learn uh the skills because it's not just carpentry you've you've done here i mean you are a, a general contractor did you learn that trade in a, a a structured way or did that get passed to you by someone or how did you
2: not really um I think we're all a result of our genetics um my grandfather who I'm very very similar to physically mentally um and was close to was similarly inclined he was a he was a civil engineer and was raised went to Purdue um And when I came to Jackson, I looked around. My brother was here at the time, and he was a plumber, and he said, well, I can get you a job. You can go work as a laborer. So I started shoveling, and Mm -hmm. that was uh, you could find work all summer long, real easy, and then collect unemployment in the winter and go skiing. (laughs) It was i don't know it should have been illegal yeah but it wasn't there was no work in the winter especially if you weren't that skilled um but i liked it i liked the teamwork of construction um i liked the fact that you and a good crew a question would come up how are we going to build this and everybody could chime in and you'd pick the best idea and that's what you'd do and if that wasn't the way the crew worked i could find a different crew um Plus, I'm a good teacher. I've learned um, when I teach people, it's like, here's the tool, here's what you're gonna do, here's what you need to watch for. You do it, and um, so that's that's kind of where it all came from. That's the teaching of the children. It's like, here's the stuff. You figure it out. Yeah. You decide yeah. what your idea is. You know you. It's not a wrong idea, but what about these elements? Do do they play into your idea, and maybe you want to change it a bit? So,
1: yeah, I, I got the pleasure of watching you teach some uh, adults and children how to play pool at your pool hall, which is also on the property, uh, and it was cool the way you did it because it wasn't. Let me show you how it's done. It's like let me help you figure out how you're going to do it, which is a cool way to teach anything. But I think the the, in my opinion, on this property, the. The greatest uh, example of something that you've taught and you've passed on is the A frame that your daughter built. I spent uh i don't know two hours in it the other day writing, and it's one of the most delightful little spaces that uh has just been clearly created with someone's it's an, it's an influence you can tell that you you know you influence your daughter in this cool way, and she took that influence. And figured out how to do this, how to build this. What do you mean, little? Place. It's eighty square feet. It is eighty square. <laughs> it's bigger than my van. Man, hang on. <laughs> it's got yeah. this, this cool. I mean, the whole wall opens up, and it just it embraces the elements that are outside. And I, I've never met your daughter, but I'm like genuinely proud of this young woman who is just so creative. That little space in there, it just feels so right. You know. I walked in, there's art in there, a great collection of books. She had a Douglas Adams book sitting on the top. Immediately made me like her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, I don't know, that that to me seems like the embodiment of lessons learned, you know, in a really cool way. So good on you for, yeah. uh, you know, taking shoveling jobs and unemployment checks and turning that into a beautiful way of life, man. Yeah.
2: Well, it's, you know, it's I was like my grandfather. He... I talked to my mom. And here's a guy that had land in California and land in Jackson Hole, and obviously wealthy. But in the depression, he picked grapes, yeah, to keep his family going. Uh, yeah. They even at one point in time sent my mom to go live with somebody else, really. And it was supposed to be permanent. But the couple they sent the the mother died of the couple they sent her with, wow. and so she came back. So, you know, here you have these people, you know, uber wealthy. I once in a while I look to see where I am you know there's inequity in the country i'm part of that hmm. um i'm at the top end of that but you kind of go well now you know i've shoveled i did a lot of digging yeah <laughs> it wasn't good nice wasn't topsoil no you know yeah, it was in the rocks yeah and uh <laughs> i've never stopped working so you know it's uh I wish everybody could have a little slice of this, but yeah, uh, I I will say
1: we've maybe been sitting here for about fifteen minutes. This is the longest period of time I've seen you seated <laughs> since we've been here. You are a you're moving man, and you've got a lot of projects. You got a wedding coming up here. I don't mean to create any anxiety right. for you as you're sitting. I want you to continue to sit for <laughs> at least a little while. But you I mean you are a busy dude. You got a lot going on in this place. I mean, you've got uh, you're managing the hide. The hydrodynamics of the, the area, you've got like a couple creeks running through here. And you, I can tell you just really
2: enjoy doing this work, yeah. and it's, uh, it's encouraging. Oh, it's realizing what it is. Having traveled to been a little bit of Europe, um, quite a bit of Central America, and we got to go to Bali with the family and the wheelers, we got to go spend yeah. a month in Bali and Indonesia. Oh. Uh, when you come back, you can look around and go, wow are we lucky mm-hmm. better take care of what we were you know what's part of us yeah and uh, but i well i'm again wealthy yeah. i know what i love wealthy and i get matters. to do it
1: yes yeah. it's encouraging to see someone work as hard as you guys do and and your wife i mean amy is not sitting around watching you work she's working as well you guys have a cool cool thing going it's yeah. a good partnership <music>
2: Well, it's an I. One of the things I've learned is when I start to think, ah, how come I'm the only one that's working?" I say, Amy, can I help you a little bit? And I work with her a little bit. Okay, I'm. Yeah, I'm not the only one no. working. No. Nope. And uh, the last thing to say to your wife is like, "You're not working as hard as I am." Ooh. It's much better to say, "Is there something I can help you with?" And yeah, uh, re- reset, reset my mind here yeah. a little bit. Thank yeah. you.
1: Where does that come from? That impulse is that just good manners? You got that from your
2: folks? Uh, I, I'm an old guy. I've been in a number of relationships, <laughs> and eventually, you do get a little smarter bit by bit. What'd and you say? You said something yesterday. You learn. You don't learn by doing it right. Yeah. And when I first heard that, I just kind of bristled and went. And so I try very hard, not to learn everything by doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and you listen. Yeah, you listen when people talk. You listen. Yeah, and regardless of their age, mm-hmm. what's uh, that's key. You, you seem to read
1: a lot too. I mean, I've noticed you've got uh, just a small library here of books, and I, they look red to me. These don't look like display books. <laughs> They've got
2: thumbprints and ruffled pages. And yeah, grand again. You know, we are a result of our genetics. Uh, my grandfather had, and I think it was a time. When you bought books and kept them, because that was your where you got your information. That was the media. There was not television. Yeah. Radio was in an infancy, and he, he was pre-radio. Um, so there are always books there. My mother was a voracious reader. I am a ferocious reader. Lexi he is makes us look. Bad. She's the youngest daughter. Yep. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, just there are joys that come from that. I remember telling my mother once, I said, yes, I'm a ferocious reader. And she goes, I think you're using the word wrong. I said, huh. So got out a dictionary, opened it up, and what? one of the this example they used for the word ferocious was, as in a ferocious reader. <laughs> like, like, gotcha, Mom. Gotcha, and, now. Uh, It's. I don't listen to the news. I read every bit of news. I can get my hands on a couple of news magazines. Mm-hmm. And um, on the internet, I read every day, which I've always done. I'm, when I was in high school, first thing that came in through the door was L.A. Times. Mm. I'd start with the comics, but I read most <laughs> yeah. of it. And so school was easy because I was had just read a whole wide variety of information. And... Um, so now I don't want somebody else's opinion about what's going on in the world. I want to read multiple people's opinion yeah. and form my own understanding from those many sources. Yeah. Um, I think that's the danger, a lot of danger people have fallen into is here's my single source of information, this yeah. is what I think.
1: Or here are 12 different sources that all agree with your opinion. Yep. And here's how we're going to reinforce what you already think you believe. And, right? And you've got a media literacy that I, I, it's not. Yeah. It does take work yeah. to be media literate because it is very tempting and very easy to just say, yeah. "Oh, there's the news." I know now what's going on because yeah. you want to just trust. You just want to accept it and yeah.
2: questioning that. If I can <laughs> figure out which work. of the, my oldest cars I can put this on, the bumper sticker I wanted probably have to take two bumpers to two bumper stickers to fit it on would be. Uh, just because you believe doesn't make it true. Right. And that's everything. That's absolutely everything. Don't believe everything you think.
1: Yeah. There was something you said to me the other day. We were looking at your greenhouse Mm -hmm. and, um, you were showing us the plants and all these great things growing. And I I was asking you about the structure and you said something about the guy who built it. The guy, the
2: original engineer wasn't very good (laughs) and, um, That it was going to need to be rebuilt. And, of course, I was the original engineer. I started building it when we had a frost August 1st. When I first got here, uh, there was less than 30 days of guaranteed Mm. frost-free weather. And uh, so August 1st, we had had a fairly large garden, and it just got hammered, real hard frost. And I was like, I don't have a building project. Let's get a backhoe. And so we dug a the bank out and put this greenhouse into uh the bank so the back side of it's covered with dirt and a good engineer would have uh built that a little differently and uh so anyway it's still there Yeah, and it's been through a couple of different uh screen uh, glazings started out with visqueen and eventually ended up now with thermal pane so yeah. it's a real nice glazing um but the back wall needs to be dealt with again. Yeah. And uh, well, give me something to do.
1: Yeah, what, uh, so what, I, one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you, I mean one, I just like you and I enjoy talking to you, but you, um, there's the difference between wisdom and intelligence. There is a distinction and a difference and you seem to embody wisdom. Just to be able to look at something you did 20, 30 years ago and be able to admit you did it wrong. You know, and to say that phrase that the original engineer wasn't very good at this, that to me is wisdom that's uh-huh. like that's a and you apply the wisdom all around and I think that's why this place is so cool I mean of course it's going to be cool because we're under these beautiful right. mountains, but there's there's a little something extra I mean there are teepees that you put up yourself there's even your outhouse <laughs> even the outhouse has some its own little artistic kind of creative thoughtful twist, and that I don't know the whole Sorry to just be kissing your ass this whole podcast, but the <laughs> it's a cool place. It, it is. really, really is, yeah, man. And it just is. the whole scene that you got set up here, to me, seems wise. And uh, I know this is a long way to say this, but you, uh, during the eclipse, you're uh, probably infamous in this valley, in this, in the hole <laughs> here for your take on what everyone seems to have in the beginning been afraid of. All these people just showing up for this one day and where are they going to poop, and what's going to happen, and the fear that this hippie element was going to come to Jackson Hole and stare at the sun. Your
2: take on it was really cool. Do you mind sharing how you handled the eclipse? Um, no, it was a it was a ton of fun, but I was like everybody else, you know, the, the paper and the park service and the local uh, emergency responders were like, oh, we're going to have a horde of people in here there's not going to be food in the grocery stores. There's not going to be, you know, uh, emergency response. If you need to get into town for a medical thing, you're not going to be able to get there. We got to have extra helicopters. So everybody's like, ooh, man, that's going to be a pain. And, uh, but you started talking to people, and, you know, once in a while you'd run in, and somebody goes, well, I hope it's a cloudy day. And it was like, really? Wrong huh, something <laughs> that isn't, huh? It's kind of a weird deal. And Started thinking about it and going, well, and of course, you know, Charlottesville had happened. And there right. was, you know, if, if you're aware of what's going on around, it's like, wow, well, wait a minute. This isn't going to be that. This is going to be kind of cool. And actually, you know, and I, I eventually wrote this thing and sent it a letter to the paper that describes most of this. But uh, it's like, I, this is a science infused event. Uh, People that come to this, you know, it's not white supremacy. It's not religious fanaticism. It's uh, This is probably pretty cool, and I started researching it. My wife was like, I can close my eyes for two minutes, and it'll be dark. What's the big deal? And I said, you know, that's not what I'm reading. I'm reading people who really think this is pretty cool. And so I started coming around going, actually, I think these are my people. I don't know why I get emotional. Maybe I'm just part of being an old guy. Anyway, so these are my people. And uh, I mentioned this to a guy. I was building a house in Idaho at the time and uh, talked to a guy over there at the lumberyard and said, yeah. And he goes, oh, you know, there's a little hippie element involved. And I went, yeah, like I said, these are my people. (laughs) And so people are putting up no trespassing signs around the valley. And Hiring teenagers to be their security guard at the entrance to their subdivision, and I went down and bought a couple of gallons of stuff to make mimosas and took the tractor and mowed out an area right by the road um, on flats road and then uh, the morning of and just kept kind this is this is gonna be pretty damn cool and uh, so the morning of the park service showed up here at the front gate and we had 12 people with us that had moved on the pro we had guests in both houses. There are a lot of people around and so I'm out wandering around with a cup of coffee and here comes the park service and they put a road candle and a, had a sign. They were putting up like private driveway, no parking. I'm like, yeah, you know, actually I don't want that. Yeah. I don't know. We're not going anywhere. Yeah. If somebody wants to park there, we can park there. And I'd, at early on, I'd have gone so far as to put logs in a parking area down below Well, I don't want people coming in here and looking around for a place to go to the bathroom. And I took those logs and moved them out of the way. and So people start showing up, and Glenn with, I don't know, I think he had six of his family members with him. He was an ambulatory surgeon from Denver. And he came in, and we had a guy from, Fred, from Germany. We had a couple from France that didn't speak English. That just come on over here come on over here and had chairs for the ladies that was one of the class, you know people come and say, do you have chairs no I had chairs and I was like give the ladies a place to sit down this is going to take a few hours and yeah. they smiled at that and uh, so anyway this whole thing went on and the, it was it was stunning it's worth traveling yes. internationally yeah. to be to see an eclipse and uh, there's shadows there's crescent shapes we had a colander out there and you could hold the colander over a tarp, and instead of round holes on the tarp, they were all crescents. They were all half moons or whatever the yeah. sun phase was at the time. It was just way cool. And the kids are, you could even hold your hand out, and the shadows that came out of your hands were yeah. different. The whole quality well, of light changed. Um, so, and then it goes, then all of a sudden it gets really dark, really cold. Um, everybody's like, Never have I seen this. Never have I felt this, yeah. um, and pretty stunning. If, I, if you can understand primitive feelings, you know, you know, like, this is a little scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and then after totality, sun comes back out a little bit, and everybody goes, "Okay, it's over," and they all leave. <laughs> <laughs> you go, uh, actually, there's only a little part of the sun showing down the right. Everybody goes. Um. And uh, but one of the fun things was a uh, there was a guy, two guys from Oregon, and uh, forgetting his name right now. But uh, one of the guys came back and he gave me. He goes, "Here's a book I published," and I said, "Oh, and a little pamphlet, little pamphlet kind of book." And uh, I said thanks, and he left. And so, and we like I said, we had twelve people on the property, and they finally all left, went home, and I. Picked up this little pamphlet and that George Walker had written, and inside it said, uh, "Thanks for sharing the eclipse, 2017. You're on the bus, George Walker." And I'm like, George Walker? Huh? I don't know what that means. And I talked to him before. He said, "Well, we had seen a uh, a uh, eclipse in the southern England, and he was we were I was there with Ken Kesey." I'm like, oh. And so I looked up George Walker in Wikipedia, and when one of the merry pranksters tells you, you're on the bus, it's damn cool. That's powerful, man. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing.
1: Yeah, you're on the <laughs> yeah. bus, man. I am I'm, I'm, I feel like at this point, you're the driver <laughs> of this hip <laughs> bus. <laughs> We're all
2: privileged to to hang out around yeah. and that uh, no and it's the privilege is mine you know i mean yeah. that was i got to meet all those people yeah you know i got to meet you know it's just it's like and my daughter was like you know that was a really fun eclipse but pulling those people in mm-hmm. was equally as cool yeah which wow you know that's and but that, that was my privilege i was lucky enough to make the change yeah and know? well it, to to what i was saying earlier you're
1: the idea of your like applying wisdom to a thing—you took your critical, question the premise type of attitude to the news that you were getting about what was going to happen to your community, and you thought critically about it and said, "Bullshit." <laughs> I, I challenge that right here, right yeah. now. I'll see your barricade and I'll raise it free mimosas. Yeah. And you enriched your experience and the experience of everyone who came here in a way that no one else got. You know, I mean that you you. And you, therefore, were on the bus. Yep. You know, you 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 got to see things you would not have otherwise experienced. You learned something from it. You had a great time, and that's that's how I was introduced to you. Was uh, you our now mutual friends Steve and Mary Lou were, uh, were talking about their kids who came here to experience the eclipse with you, and that's one of the things they really loved about it. You know, we we had all seen the eclipse together, but we didn't talk about. You know, the phenomena of the sun being eclipsed by the moon, we talked about how cool it was that you invited all these people into your property, all these strangers. And you just, you bucked the system and said, I'm not going to be afraid of this. I'm going to embrace it. And and you, of course, were totally right. Everybody left and didn't
2: leave shit everywhere and had the a great forest, time. You know, in the forest, they were like, we're worried about people starting fires. We're worried about the trash. We're worried about... And for the most part, the forest was cleaner than it was when it started, <laughs> because of the who we came—the people, yeah—the the people that wanted to see this thing, mm. and uh, so it was, yeah, you know, it was diametrically opposed to what they were worried about. Yeah, um, and you know, it was an interesting. I'm sure some communities could have a problem. Um, you know, if you're right next to a big city, we had people come up from Salt Lake, uh, and it was a long. Very crowded drive to get home for them, Um, but in you know maybe somebody had trouble, but we certainly as a community we did not have any trouble whatsoever, Mm -hmm. Um, and and you know the opposite, people were great and friendly and loved it and you know it was. I wish we could do that every year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did too, man. Yeah, it was every a... We had people from, uh, you know, we had we had all sorts of political people on the property, political, by saying political, uh, we had all sorts of people on the property on different sides of what is now a political line. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter. It does not matter. It didn't matter. Yeah. You know, it's just... It's a good reminder yeah. to
1: look up. Mm-hmm. You forget what the line is when you're looking up. Yeah. So lo- let me talk about a little bit, if you don't mind, about mm-hmm. your daughters. You've got... Uh, brianna brianna's in college right you've got one in college and then one who's on a foreign exchange in um, sweden in sweden and you now have a foreign exchange student living here juma uh, from argentina right so you guys just cannot stand (laughs) not having a whole bunch of stuff to do
2: no i well we enjoy having a whole bunch of stuff to do yeah um if you can you should Mm. is what is why juma is here um our daughter found this the rotary exchange program kind of accidentally at school and went and looked and said, I want to do this, and then worked at it. Worked very hard at getting the applications done, writing the essays and going through the the process. And worked Learning hard at language. pushing us oh, to do yeah. that. And then starting on her Rosetta Stone to try and speak Swedish. So we have signs in the in the studio of with all over the – I love in that. Various places that are in Swedish. Yeah. And it's like, bedroom? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Bathroom, bedroom. Okay. <laughs> I can go along with that. Um, but uh, so just before she left, she received an email saying that one of the the first host family for the incoming student um, couldn't, couldn't take them. Mm-hmm. And we were like, well, if this was Lexi and her host family couldn't take her, We'd sure hope somebody would step up, so let's, let's step, step up. Yeah. And um, so he arrived, I guess, five days ago? Yeah, maybe one or two days before we got here. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he sat down yesterday for lunch, and he's like, this is the first lunch I've had here because he's went practicing. He's going to climb the Grand Teton. He, and yeah. then Lexi said, keep him really busy. Yeah. And teenage boys... That boredom is a very dangerous thing. Indeed. So Indeed. that's, and it's it'll be good for me. My take on this is I'll work here and never go anywhere, but, you know, let's go canoeing. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, I've got, there's some lakes here you need to see there. So it, yeah. And it gets me, I know the place. Why don't I go help me enjoy it? You know, yes. and, um, I think we all do that in our communities. People, especially if you live in a resort town, you work, people come in, they vacation, and they do a lot of things that you don't do, but you should. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so anyway, that's, that's actually going to benefit me again. Well, again, yeah. I'm the one that's lucky. Yeah. yeah. Um, You're on the so bus, man. That's I'm on the bus, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, and it, it seems like I mean, I've only gotten experience being around you and Juma at the same time a little bit, but it you have um, almost a calling to teach. You know, I, I can yeah. tell like you just getting to show him how to play pool and and uh, the things you've been able to show him, it I can tell you're going to get yeah. as much out of it as he will and he's
2: going to get a shitload out of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm a good mentor. Yeah, for I, sure. I, I recognize that in myself mm-hmm. and uh, um, my kids have certainly benefited by it and it's just it's yeah. a and. You know, it's it's fun. It's fun when you're a good teacher. I and want to be a foreign exchange student. You get to light, lighten up people's <laughs> lives. You know, it's uh, um, it's just it's yeah. really rewarding. Yeah, mm-hmm. I want to talk to you a little bit about boats because I mean, you are
1: clearly. I, I keep complimenting the hell out of you. I apologize <laughs> for that. Uh, but you're you're you've built a couple of boats. I they're kits. You're like, oh, they're just kits. No, man, this is. <laughs> These boats are amazing. They're these long, beautiful wooden
2: boats that you built by hand. They are kits from Chesapeake Lightcraft, Um, Mm -hmm. and they're not that hard to build. Uh, They take a while. Uh, The Wary, which is really an old English boat that was used, uh, that style was used for carrying people and goods on the Thames Mm -hmm. in England. And um, they didn't have a sliding seat with carbon fiber oars, I don't think. (laughs) But um, so that's where the style of boat came from. And then there's the other, the recreational shell. Um, I'm a compulsive builder. Mm-hmm. You know, if I run out of something to do, I'll find something else. Yeah. And uh, I loved rowing. I learned that uh, I've gotten to row the Grand Canyon a couple of times in on private trips, raft trips down there. And I've gotten to row the main salmon and the middle fork and— some of the local rivers, local being a loose use Relative. of the word, yeah. <laughs> um, and I love the motion. I love the symmetry of it. I yeah. love, first of all, I love being on the water. Yeah. And I used to kayak. Um, this is better. You can carry a lot more stuff in a raft. Yes. And the rowing, the rowing boats are kind of result of the rowing rafts. Uh, just the symmetry of the motion and the great exercise. Plus they're damn fast. (laughs) Yeah, and it's a, just so
1: I've experienced it for the first time really, uh, the other day with your friend Steve. They took us, Steve and his wife Mary Lou took us on the Yellowstone River, and they were in a dory, and Steve was piloting the the dory, Tiffany and I were in the front, or what looked to me like the back, but whatever, (laughs) we were in it. And um, it was very little effort from Steve. You know, it, it, it was just letting the river do its thing and operating this boat in a way that was just recognizing that he would pick a line to go through and he, you know, a little bit of rock or rapid that he could see was deep enough. And the way he would navigate it was not, he never fought the river and would just sort of glide into things. And if anything, he was rolling backwards to slow and to temper and to steer. And I, so then I got in a, a little kayak behind them and paddled and would watch how how he would navigate it. And it was such a different way to engage with the river for me i'd never mm-hmm. really experienced that and he for good reason did not let me pilot the dory but <laughs> that you would take your first opportunity to build i don't know if these are your first boats that you've ever built but the the boats that you have in your in your shop and make that the kind of way that you would
2: engage with the with the body of water is really yeah.
1: kind of interesting to me
2: yeah i actually engage with water constantly. I've got the the creek out the back here that <laughs> sure in the springtime is a river you couldn't get a horse across to now it's dry so I can pour some concrete and fix a place that it's eroding. And, yeah. uh, so I'm constantly engaged with water. Um, they call it reading a river Yeah. and you look at the water and you say, well, what's it doing? Where's it going? Where do I want to be in it? And, um, you, if you anticipate well enough, mm-hmm. just a few strokes will move you over here, and the river itself will move you to the spot you want to be in. And um, the rule when you go into a rapid is if you aren't in the boat, the boat will probably do just fine. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Buddhists say, do no harm. Yeah. This is true in boats, too. It is. Like, don't mess with the boat. It's okay. Knows how to get down. And uh, it'll tend to get down the river just fine. Uh, but we think we like to steer. We yeah. think we know better. Yeah. You know, again, an analogy for a few other things. For a few <laughs> other things. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just love water in all forms, whether mm. it's the creek running around. I'm the, I'm the last guy on the irrigation ditch. <laughs> and so it took me a number of years, but I am now in charge of the entire irrigation ditch and have the equipment to take care of it because if I have water, everybody else has yeah, water. Yeah, you're at the end of the line. And, uh, and I get to play in the ditch yeah. uh, with equipment. And <laughs> so it's uh, it really is a pretty big theme in my life. Yeah. And I when I go rock climbers, when they go up in the mountains, they're looking up going, oh, look at that. I Wonder about if I can climb that day. They're all looking up. I'm looking at the creek. Below. Next to me, yeah. I'm looking at the yeah. ducks in the creek or the, mm-hmm. you know, it's the rocks or is there something there. I like or I was when I was in school. I was following kind of math and science. Mm-hmm. But then I thought to myself, math and science. Does that mean I'm going to go live in a city. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to get out of math and science. I kind of went okay. Excuse me, bail out, and uh, the parachute landed me here and. Yeah. Uh, Where you can apply math and science. Where I can apply math and science. In a very uh, direct sense, yeah. I went to the, spoke to the county, town, not, yeah, the county commissioners in the spring about a problem they had with their, an upcoming problem they were having with their river. And I said, I don't have a degree in hydrology, but I've been a boater, been down to Grand Canyon, I've been in the ditch, I've had a flood here this spring. Um, I have spent my life around water. And I have an education in water, and you have a water problem. <laughs> and they actually heard me. They, yeah, you know, like oh, you know, I'm okay. Uh, I don't have a degree, but I have an education. And, yeah, uh, So, and that's you know, that's kind of true with a lot of the things I've done. Is I just like to watch and listen and read and get all this input in and try and what's that mean? You know? Yeah. Uh, water is just this fantastic thing that. Um, I was talking to a, an oil guy, and he was saying that in college, one of the things they did was, in a, I don't know if it was a hydrology class, but uh, they froze a perfectly clean piece of ice, distilled water, just absolutely clear water, clear ice, put it on a table, tilted it, and, and poured water over it. And as that water started down, it did not run in a straight line. It immediately started circling, t- cutting back and forth, with no reason. And you know, is that the molecular structure of the water starting the bend and the turning in that? Who knows? Yeah. But it's in, you see it on a larger scale everywhere you look. Yeah. And water does. So it it's too. real interesting to watch water and. Yeah. How do I get it to do what I want? Because it certainly isn't going to do it on its own. No, it it's does going what to do something wants. that I don't expect. Right. Um, what was so. the book you were telling me about? The um,
1: Path of the Paddle. Path of the Paddle. Yeah.
2: Yeah. A really good book on canoeing, um, and um, just the best book I've read on canoeing. A lot of good illustrations, mm-hmm. um, enough stories, and. Very clearly, how to do it well. Yeah. Uh, It's a great, versatile craft. I don't, my father in law owns a canoe, so I don't need to own one. It's here in my yard, but uh, (laughs) it's not my favorite boat, but it's clearly the most versatile boat. Very, yeah. And Amy and I started out canoeing a lot, and we canoed almost all the rivers. Anything that we could float the canoe on, we went wandering around on. And uh, in fact, that was my best first date, not just for her, but for. Um, take a canoe and you take a cooler and i liked a chicken based gazpacho mm. and a couple of bottles of wine and stemware oh, and yeah. you put in up at pacific creek and the first eh, couple hundred yards 300 yards or something you got to make it around the corner then you turn and face each other you don't canoe by facing in the same direction people got that all wrong yeah you turn and face each other. You put the stemware between your toes so it doesn't tip over. Very nice. You look downstream and go, hang on, two strokes, we're good. Okay, let's talk and have fun and yeah. eat gazpacho and drink wine. And Oh, wait a minute, two strokes, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great first date. That's fantastic. There were usually second dates after that one. Yeah, Yeah, that's good to know. That's good to know for somebody out there. It's not going to do me any good. (laughs) No, we're both married, but it's uh, great memories, and it was so much fun. You know, people just yeah. That's uh, that sounds like a good date period. Yeah, it's your first, or hopefully
1: not your last. Right, I can see certainly a canoe ending up being someone's last date. (laughs) It's one of those things where it's cooperation is sort of you know.
2: Yeah. What was it? You don't learn by doing it right. You yeah. can learn a lot in a canoe. <laughs> you can <laughs> Hopefully,
1: learn. you don't end up getting hurt. Or yeah, uh, I hear it like tandem bicycles, uh, canoes, and travel with a with a partner, a potential mate, are are, are really good ways to. They're filth, good filters. Good filters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> What's your definition of work? Hmm. Um. Uh, I guess work is what you have to do for money. Hmm. Um, I work a lot around here for nothing, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that really qualifies as work. Nobody would say, oh, that's too bad you have to do that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) What was it, Jerry Spence, this very high-powered lawyer that I knew once, he goes, you know, the guys that ought to get paid the most are the ones on the assembly line. Anybody that's doing the worst job out there, they're the ones that ought to get paid the most. That's Mm -hmm. work. I, you know, I put in my forty hours a week for forty years or whatever, and uh, so I worked. But it was so much fun to be in a good crew building a house, yeah. and we always had work. Uh, there were some times when it got really cold; um, that wasn't so good. I remember, you know, well, I'm going to take the week off. It's going to be twenty below. There's no way I'm going working on this out working outside. Yeah. And after a week, I'm running a little low on my money. Back on the It's job still site. twenty below. Okay, here we go. And uh, I remember we're putting in windows, big west facing mountain view windows on this house. And I stand, you know, up two scaffolds high and or three, and I had a one burner Coleman stove sitting next to me, and I'd warm my fingers up. Yeah, and that way I could actually kind of I didn't have to go somewhere to warm up. I could just, just right get there. my fingers, keep kind of moving forward, and it was not my favorite. Oof, and. Uh, well, let me ask you about that because you um I mean you've clearly
1: done a lot of this work by yourself and you really enjoy working with a good team so how, where's that balance for you what, do you miss that working with a team
2: not thing, really it's part of its economics true I know I can if I don't pay somebody, I don't have to go earn that money
1: yeah you <laughs> said something to me yesterday that I thought was hilarious you're like. I could get someone to help me, or I could just cut a piece of plywood and stick it right there. And it's a lot cheaper than paying someone to
2: hold this thing. And I've also got to figure out how to do it. Yeah. You know that? Well, yeah. I bet I can do this. And, uh, you know, hanging, putting soffit, mm-hmm. plywood soffit on that building down there, how do you hold the other end of an eight-foot sheet and still have it adjustable? You need somebody's hand. Yeah. Or maybe you could cut a piece of plywood with a notch in it so the plywood could sit up there and it would slide back and forth in the notch oh, Oh, I got this. Yeah. You know, so you put so this it, off it up and you and you're not paying you don't have to go earn the money to, to pay, pay for the guy to hold
1: yeah. that into the plywood. And in lieu of the camaraderie and, and that sort of the community of those teams when you're building something, it's the all the creative problem solving is on you. And you, you and get, I get to, to listen to rock and roll really loud. Do whatever you want. Yeah, <laughs> big stereo
2: really helps build a house by yourself.
1: Yeah, and you've got a hell of a record collection in your mm. uh, in, the, in pool. the pool hall. Man, yep. that was fantastic the other night playing, watching you guys play pool. And I'm I'm a terrible. I don't want to make it. I don't want to oversell it and make it sound like <laughs> I was playing pool. I suck at pool. I was watching many other people play pool, and yeah.
2: enjoying the good tunes. Well, it's funny. I was you fixed. Uh, Andrew was the the chef at the barbecue two nights ago, and we had another couple came over with the Wheelers, and who I think are related. Um, But Ellen kind of started off slow, but pretty soon, she was pulling out one song out of an album, playing that, putting that away, putting another one up, doing the DJ thing, and I laughed. And in the morning, I saw Andrew, I said, you know, you've gotta sign the contract. You know, you've got to cook for two days here. Ellen signed her contract to, to come, come back DJ. and do the DJ again. She was back last night doing it again, doing the DJ again. Are you going to play pool? And she goes, no, I'm busy. I'm busy. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. rare
1: to see anybody, because nowadays you can just put on a playlist or that sort of thing, to watch somebody DJ with a single turntable and not just play the whole record and flip to the B-side. Just to, I, It yeah. was curated, and it was so much fun to see how much fun she was having. It was yeah. great
2: it's pretty entertaining it's funny how people different people entertain themselves there but the music mm-hmm. rec- vinyl and pool just that's a great it's a combo. Good combo somebody's man. always standing around hey change the record i'm shooting yeah you know
1: yeah um it's just a, it's a cool room because there's well, i mean there's pool there's the record player there's a rock climbing sort of situation On the wall on yeah, the walls. was
2: for lexi and early on it was a fun story the uh I don't know where I saw it. Somebody we live in the mountains uh, and there's a lot of climbing that goes on here. So at some point in time, I was aware of rock climbing practice walls Yeah, and the children, both Brianna and Lexi were four and six or something. Um, and so for one of the birthdays, I built two four eight sheets with framing supported behind them and got holds uh, and mounted them on. And we just, Leaned them out against the tree where the treehouse is now. Yeah. And, you know, I braced them up there. And so the girls could, anytime they felt like it, maybe they if they want to climb, they could climb. You know, here's what you do with kids, right? You throw, want this ball? What about that? Yeah. You know, you want a boat? You want, well, what find something that you enjoy yeah. um, and get excel at it. And uh, multiple times within the morning, we'd see the girls would get out of their teepee and walk over and start climbing, like not a stitch of clothes on them. <laughs>
1: That whole sentence is an incredible sentence. If you were just back up, they get up in the morning out of their teepee yep. with no clothes and then climb all day. Yeah. The, or not from, all day. You know, well, they go out
2: there and climb yeah. for a while and then, then wander in and yeah. have breakfast or whatever. But.
1: that's just a great sentence to yeah. to have is something you're not you're not describing a fiction. You're talking right. about real life. That's yep. really cool.
0: Yeah. So.
2: What lucky kids, man. And then so that climbing wall went into the they, they didn't use it eventually they got tired of it and that wasn't their main focus um so that went into the pool per, percy's pool hall and daycare and daycare and <laughs> uh, it formed the one side of my meat locker uh we can get that's into right. hunting if you want yeah, we go yeah, I do, I do. all do. sorts of places um so that's formed one side of the meat locker and then when the climbing gym in town closed lexi and i built the other section
1: how did the climbing gym here not work that's crazy uh
2: price I've, of land was too high wow. um somebody else was a higher bidder the people that owned it um wanted out and strangely enough they didn't publicize that the climbing gyms for sale um wow. and i don't know if it was membership i don't understand Swing and a uh, miss. because somebody there's enough money around here somebody go oh, i'll buy it just for the hell of it for the hell yeah um but they didn't, and so a car dealership bought the uh, building and the land. What a shame. So. Yeah, well, there you oh, go. Well, you know, <laughs> it's the economy of a resort town. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Uh, highest bitter winds. Yeah. In this dirty old
0: part of the
2: city Where the sun refused
0: to shine People tell me there ain't no use in trying.
3: You're so young and pretty, and one thing I know is true if you did before.
2: Am I crying, or you know, why does that tear me up? Or, but oh, we're sitting here in the in your
1: ancestral homeland. <laughs> you know, I don't know what a ghost is. Right. You know, I don't know what a soul is. What is? Right. I don't know honestly what anything is. Right. But a ghost, the a ghost is as much of an idea and a thing that lives in you as could be some sort of ethereal spirit, yeah. influencing the world around you. I mean, we're we're probably sitting in ghosts at all times. You know, and our thoughts and our dreams, and right. when are you not? Our memories
2: ghost, I guess. Maybe they are.
1: Nope. Maybe that's the best thing you can hope to be is someone's memory. You know, that's, oh, that's, that's yeah. how you make it. That's how you keep going. I actually
2: have those in my shop. I've got Rutledge's hat. Rutledge.
1: Was your grandfather?
2: Nope. Rutledge Days was an oil man and uh, who was interested in talking, and I was the foreman on his house, and we oh, wow. continued that relationship for not as me being the foreman on his house, it didn't take 20 years, but um, he was just somebody that was well-educated, well-traveled, and had his point of view and his knowledge, and I was different, And but we both enjoyed talking to each other, yeah. we listened to each other, and uh, So, you know, the anti-silo, it was really interesting. And Mm -hmm. when he passed away, I said, I'd like to have something something off his desk or a hat or something. And so his wife, Ginger, gave me one of each, a little pencil holder he had had on his desk and his hat. Wow. And he had a fishing hat. Oh, that's great. So that is now Lexi's adventuring hat.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's passing along. That's beautiful.
2: So, so, good memories, you know, like that. Yeah. It's just, it is a ghost. It's and I, like, I love to pick up, I've got a sliding bevel square that was Amy's granddad. And it's for adjusting for measuring angles. Yeah. You find an angle and you can save that angle and take it to a saw or use it to take it to a protractor. Anyway, so, uh, but that was, and every time I pick it up, you know, yesterday I took it to a job and said, Grump, come on. Help me, Grump. That yeah, was that was what they called him. And, <laughs> that's um, fantastic. It's just it's fun to yeah. bring them up. And it's, I don't know if that's a ghost or if that's a tool. That's just a memory of mine. That whatever it is, it's fun. It's with you. Yeah. That
1: did, yeah. did you have a lot of older friends? Have you been the sort of person who had older friends as a young man? Or
2: um, I've had a lot of my neighbors were older people, and that I respected the Craigheads. Yeah, Frank and John Craighead. Yeah, those are some heavy hitters, um, And the Lobbins, the people that literally wrote the book on the Indian teepee. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there were older people around. Frank's wife, Esther, used to write my mother and tell her how I was doing. Because as when I first moved up here, I wouldn't, I'm fine. Why would I need to tell my mother I'm fine? <laughs> yeah. And so there were older people around, yeah. and... Uh, you know, I had both parents. I had my grandfather. You know, I had the extended family that I, until I was thirty, re- didn't realize was rare. Mm. Um, so, anyway, it's yeah, been no. good. It's been good, and there are—they're not ghosts. There's, there's help. There's friends. There's, yeah, a
1: the ghost. Uh, yeah, it yeah. doesn't have to be something it's, scary. No,
2: no. not scary at all. It's just. Uh, yeah. I was laughing. I don't know. You saw my new front fence up there? Yes. Yeah, I have a brand new buck rail fence. That's really cool. And uh, the old one was falling down, and my story was, if granddad could see that, he'd throw my ass out of this place. He never let it look that bad. Never did, huh? And so I got my new fence up, and I made that comment to a couple of the neighbors, and somebody drove by and went, your granddad's smiling. Oh, that's great. What a compliment, man. So, so did your... Uh...
1: So you grew up partially in California, partially out here. Where did you learn to hunt?
2: I learned to hunt here. I looked out the window and literally elk would walk by in the fall. It was like, and I had a wife and two stepkids. And back in the day, it was like, that's $300 worth of meat going by. And 300, you know, 40 years ago, $300 was a fair amount of money. Um, and I was like, "This can't be that hard." My brother was a different kind of hunter, okay. but we, there were so there were guns in the house, and that I could use. I was like, hey, can I borrow your gun? And uh, but I'm a meat hunter. Mm-hmm. I do this because I like really good meat, yeah. and not a steroid, not a drug. This is the best thing you can possibly eat, and uh, so that's that's really where it started with the economics. And uh, once it went from economics, then it, it's like well, especially now that I'm retired, I don't I can afford to go buy my meat, but I can't buy that kind of meat. No, it's not for sale. So yeah, yeah. and uh, but there are lots of prices to pay. You know, I um, obviously I get emotional for strange reasons for whatever. Why would I, you know, go into tears about a party? Um, but uh, when I shoot an elk, it's emotionally one of the hardest if it's not the most emotionally hardest day of the year. Um, beautiful animal, you just kill it. Um, and then the horrific part of field dressing. Yeah, uh, it's, it's tough uh, for me. Maybe somebody else thinks it's a great joyous, fun thing, and, well, boy, wasn't that cool? Um, it's, I love it. I love getting my elk, but it's the downstream knowing that. Right. My family gets to eat this. My neighbors get to eat this. We get to have nice meals and parties. And, yeah. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, I got my second elk of the year, and I called up and said, okay, tell your mother that she can entertain now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so it is it is a meat and money thing. Um, and it's also, I keep saying, is one of the most honest things I do. Yeah. Um, Every single person supports a hunter. You know, a vegetarian buys their greens from a farmer, and that farmer has to control the animals so that he has a surplus. Yes. Nature doesn't have a surplus. Um, So you can't get away from this, you know, if you are honest with yourself. Yeah. You're supporting a hunter somehow. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's... uh, you know, the field dressing is horrific. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and we won't go there, but, um, (laughs) you know, and for me, what it becomes kind of as everything I do becomes, um, when I shoot an elk, I, first thing I do is call up one of my neighbors and say, would you go grab the trailer and bring it over here? And it's a neighborhood thing. And, you know, he'll bring the trailer over and we'll load it on there. I'll bring it home. And, uh, Prepare it and quarter it and hang it up in the meat locker. And a couple of weeks later, um, the neighborhood comes back in mass to help cut this thing. And it it never leaves us. Yeah. Um, And uh, so we cut it up on the dining room table. And it's just it's a fun party. People are like uh, some people don't. Some of the neighbors don't come. It's, it's, you know, it's a the type of work any... that maybe they <laughs> don't uh, enjoy. It's like, that doesn't matter. Sure. Um, and, uh, but it is just stunningly good meat. Yeah. And so when you see it, you go, oh, that's different. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's a fair amount. It feeds the family and uh, it's really nice to be able to decide what you want to eat and have it in your freezer. Yeah. Is that so, primarily what you hunt? Just elk? Just elk. Um the the amount of effort whether you go out and hunt a ground squirrel or an elk is ground squirrels there's more of them, so it's easier but right? that's not a good example, but um an antelope the effort to hunt an antelope, which is a fairly small not a lot of not a lot of meat on it um is about the same as it is to go hunt an elk so you might as well see my i economy again, yeah yeah economy <laughs> it's my effort. economy of my time and effort yeah. and uh, so. It's uh, yeah. It's it's hunting, but it's not something I, when I'm not hunting elk, I don't go hunting for other things. The, yeah, this seems like a, a good bit of stewardship
1: going on in a in a conscientious hunter, someone who gives a shit about the animals, cares about their family, cares about the land that the animal lives yeah. on.
2: It's yeah, there is. I think one of the things that's tough of being a hunter is how many people are like myself. Um, and I'm even vocal cause I'll write, I've been yelled at before called horrible name, you know, the worst name somebody could think of, uh, because I obviously, my elf was out there by the trailer. Um, most hunters are quiet and they don't attract attention. They simply get an animal and they take it home and they eat it. And it's, you don't know about it. You don't hear about it some people and if it wasn't with hunting it would be with something else yeah want attention need outrage and they can create some outrage and um and they do um, and they get attention so it's you know but the majority of hunters are pretty quiet people they just it's yeah. like this is something I need to go do it works and most of the time i think it's economics yeah you know I don't it's It's work. Uh, You got to take care of it. You have to have the facility. You have to have the skills. Um, So, you know, that's, I think, the percentage of people that go about this quietly. Is much greater than. Is far greater than anybody has any idea. Do you fish? Um, Not really. Um, I don't like picking the bones out of trout. Yeah. Have you ever found yourself emotionally uh, wrapped up in, in fishing? No, I love rowing. I'll row you fish Yeah, is kind of how it works. Uh, part of it, I think it's certainly fly fishing. You see a lot of high power people like to fly fish. Right. When you're fly fishing, your attention is focused right there on that little piece of water with that little bug on it. Mm-hmm. How do I get the bug back there and fool that? And so you're totally focused. Yeah. Everything else disappears. Uh, it's easy. It it eases your mind. It's comforting. You don't have to worry about all this other stuff. Yeah, I don't worry about all that other stuff anyway. Yeah, <laughs> <So> <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to do the fishing. <laughs> You're thing. already there. Yeah, I'm kind of there, and uh, so I, you know, just it's a pastime that. Yeah, well, I, I fished a little bit. I used to, and you know, I tried it out, and was like, oh, that's interesting. That's kind of fun. I think
1: about it a lot. I, so it was fishing that brought me back from the brink. I was vegan. I was not eating any animal product and uh mostly just cuz I'm curious, I'll try anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll just want to try. Right. Um and a, a friend of mine asked me to go fishing for him. He couldn't. Uh he was injured and it, one of his great passions and things is to have salmon from the Pacific, you know. Oh. So I went fishing for him and uh you know, in the act of tricking the dumbest fish in the sea onto the boat with me. Uh, and that's what the fish is doing. The fish is out there fishing. Uh-huh. So I felt less. You know, I told myself that story that the fish is fishing, uh, so I could fish, fish. Let's justify this. But it was definitely emotional for me to pull the fish up and club it, and then gut it. And feed. it's the same thing. So mm-hmm. it's it's interesting to me that we do this as a, our species. We can get very because a mammal has a heart like ours and has organs that look like ours and these sort of similar things and hair and skin, mm-hmm. we can, will emotionally invest in that and can feel something. But a fish, we generally don't. And we will harvest fish in a way that if we did that on land, you'd go to prison forever. Yeah. You, know, you could yeah. not buy the net, scoop up many, many mammals and mm-hmm. it, that sort of thing. So it's interesting to me that, that where we draw those lines and the hierarchy of animals is something we've just kind of created but it but we do just on our own emotional level engage with mammals differently than we do with with fish. Right. Wonder what, what that's about. Why well, if it looks like us then we care. We give a shit, yeah. 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 Cool. And good luck out there if you're a fish who <laughs> looks
2: like a man or uh-huh. a woman or a dog. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well somebody was What was it? Something and I was reading recently about the reason why people like dogs for pets. Yeah. And part of it is we all speak dog, right? We all know what the dog is trying to tell us. Yes, I'd like to eat now. I'd like to out the door. We speak that language very much, and so. uh, we don't. Not everybody speaks cat. Nope. And very few of us speak fish. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah, that does make sense. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, we've we've certainly had our hand in in making the dog what it is, and I I would argue that the dog has had a hand in making us what we are you when it's-, it's
2: successful. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we would not have our standard of living. I don't think were it not for the sort of simpatico between man and dog, mm-hmm. just over evolutionary time. Right. You know uh, that they helped us hunt, they kept us warm, they kept us safe, and I think you do a very good job of dog ownership. Your two dogs are awesome and hilarious and just wonderful, wonderful creatures. Somebody was saying that you know, dog is meant to be the window to a their their master's soul. soul. Right. And our dog has been such an asshole to your dogs <laughs> since we got here. He's just growling at them, and so that's not a particularly—it's a pretty dirty window, I guess, if our dog is being such a dick to your dogs. But. Well, it hasn't been your dog
2: long, so it's well, not. We're still reflecting on it. very well. Um, <laughs> we're and on. you know, that's the, if they have space, just like people. If yeah. they have space, you know, fine. you can growl over there if there's room to walk around or go that way or go behind you. Yeah. Every, well, our all our dogs that, just go, I don't know why you're growling. Oh, yeah. Never mind, I'll go over here. It's that ball.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's that damn ball, Pele and that ball, man. <laughs> Whoever named him, I, I, you know, we, he showed up with his name, Pele, so mm-hmm. we don't know. But I'm pretty sure it's got to be something to do with that ball. Uh, He's just, I mean, beyond obsessed
2: with it. Well, Pele was a soccer player, but is it, what's Spanish for ball? Is
1: it? Uh, I don't know. That's a shame. I don't know that. Yeah, I the, almost but, want to. But yeah, the foot the so- footballer so- soccer player. Yeah. It's also the the name of a like a goddess yeah. of the volcano in Hawaii. Okay. So I can't imagine anyone naming a small boy <laughs> dog after the goddess of the volcano. But you know, we did get him in Sonoma County. It's a pretty right. progressive place. It is a progressive place. Right? But, yeah. Somebody's trying to shatter some notions. But, yeah. Well, uh, thank you. You're for welcome. taking the time to to sit with me and and share what I genuinely see as your wisdom, so and and thank you for sharing your home with us, and food and camaraderie and your friends. I mean we've we've made new friends with your friends. Friends, right. yeah, that's the name of the
2: game. So thanks, man. One of the few times I came up with the comment at the right time instead of the day later or the hour later, or whatever, was we were having a function here. Uh, large function I don't know a couple hundred people and I was parked I got first choice of jobs I get to pick it's my place I'm parking cars and uh, so I'm out in the field over here talking had show this lady where to park and she got out and she goes who lives here and I said I do she goes why do you get to live here I said well because I share
1: amen to that yep thank you sir you're welcome
3: here, saying thank you for listening to the Monkey Tooth podcast. If you haven't already, or it's been a while, check out our website, mtp.dog. There's plenty of information there. An About tab with a little bio on Andrew, myself, and our dog Pele. There's also a Van Build tab, detailing how we did our van conversion. A Journal tab, and we, as an Andrew, are doing our best to keep that up to date. And last but not least, a Contact tab. Where you can leave your thoughts, suggestions, or questions. You can also contact us on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram, Monkey Tooth Podcast. If you would like to donate and/or subscribe to the cause, you can go to Patreon and GoFundMe at Monkey Tooth Podcast. Patreon is not just a place to subscribe. We post lots of content there as well. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you. Love to all.